The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Well, we are in the off-season, and this seems to be an off-season of endings. Uh, Miku Koivu's relationship with the Minnesota Wild, as we all know, uh, came to an end after a career where he personified uh, both good, the good and the bad of the Minnesota Wild. Um, we have a retirement to talk about. Uh, we have, well, the end of a, we have the end of a relationship that we can only speculate and hope about. Um, what uh, what appeals to you as a starting place today? Uh, we should probably start with. Uh, I, I don't know if you can call it good news, but. Uh, the Bruins actually signed somebody. Oh, wait, it was just Carson Kuhlman. And both of us like Carson Kuhlman? Yes, we do. That said, um, I am at least 2% certain he is not going to be the guy who carries them to a Stanley Cup this year. 2%. I, I, I know, controversial, controversial take. I... Looking into both the crystal ball and a hard look at the analytics, I don't see like a 50 goal season with like a Selkie and maybe a Hart nomination uh, on on the resume for him at the end of the year. And yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I'm- it's a little far out, but I don't think the projections quite work um, unless of course you're using the um, the Royal College projections for him to be the con Smythe winner either well in all fairness did in all fairness did the projections back in the day actually say that Patrice Bergeron was going to win four Selkie awards no whose projections <laughs> oh wait yeah you're gonna tell me you predicted this because I know you didn't but yes I did yeah okay Ah, it must be nice to live in your dream world. Uh, in my dream world, the Bruins would have four more Stanley Cups uh, during the Bergeron era. Well, in my dream world, they would have re-signed Tory Krug, and they would have completed the trade for OEL, and we'd uh, have a— Riley have Smith a, would still be a Bruin, yeah. We'd have a defense core to be envied. Um, yeah, I wonder— I can see a, a couple certain, of those things. A certain goaltender would have been traded <laughs> years ago. I, I mean, it, it's not the only signing the Bruins made. They got Carson Coleman and what was it, a one point four five mil per year or for two years or something like that. And then they I can live with that. Then they signed uh, the future of the franchise uh, on defense. That is uh, in Jakobsboro. We talked about him. They they. Oh. You're, how did you? How is it that you've left off the most important signing that I was team getting, has made in 25 years? Oh, 25 I buried, years. So I buried the lead then. Okay. Clearly, you're talking about the one and only Zach Senishin. The immortal Zach Senishin. He is the Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Sting, and Ultimate Warrior rolled into one of the of the NHL. It's true. It's true. It, it, no arguments here. I mean, after you you you, you inked Zaboral, you inked you inked Kuhlman, you got Grizzly back. Uh, 
you you signed Kevin Miller, you you got signed. Don Sweeney is checking off that list. The only one left is Jake DeBrusque, and he's not arbitration eligible. So Jake's going to end up taking like 50 cents on the dollar. Or he's not going to be playing here and still signing for 50 cents on the dollar. I'm just – I guess what's really bugging me is Boston is one of those teams that you expect is going to make the moves to stay viable. And it hasn't happened. Oh, and by the way, Chara is still not signed. Now, as you said pre-show, he hasn't really indicated, or at least in Don Sweeney's defending of himself, Chara hasn't indicated that he wants to return or when he wants to return. He is concerned about how next season is going to be laid out and what's going on. But... There just hasn't been. I mean, there's rumors of, oh, they should go after line A. Oh, they should go. They should still sign Hoffman. There's Mackenzie Wegar waiting in the the weeds. They should sign someone who will actually move the needle in the right direction. That means a left defenseman or two. It means a top six forward, someone who can play either right wing on uh, Bergeron's line or on Krejci's line because – I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but as much as I like the raw potential of Andre Kasha, I am not yet sold on the actuality of Andre Kasha because he seems to be only slightly more productive than Anders Bjork. I agree with that. My concern there is is just the lack of time to develop chemistry. Yes, he's also had health issues when he was with Anaheim and with the Bruins. I mean, last year, Anders Anders uh, Bjork, who everyone rode all season long, all season long, actually had more NHL goals than Kasha. Fair enough. I would Uh, love to see I would love to see a full season out of Andre Kasha. And or close to it, you know, give me give me 75 games, you know, give me I want to see how he plays on a line with because he's Krejci's line. That's the theory. Yeah. Now, as far as your winger on Bergeron's line, I thought that line was and I'm not using the word, but I thought that line was complete as far as Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak. It probably is, but it probably should not be, in my opinion. Unless you can get both DeBrusque and uh, whoever lands on Krejci's uh, right to both be 22-plus goal guys, and DeBrusque has certainly managed that, um, I don't know that it's the best option for the Bruins to have to be so unbalanced. Well, but their line is is <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's really it's the line is perfection. You can't mess with that. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> knowing the actual definition of the word perfection, mm-hmm. um, please, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please. Uh, Mentally insert a 10-minute pause while I retreat to worship the force. 
the porcelain god and then brush my teeth and come back and finish recording, starting right now. And then in time-lapse, you're back. Boom. There we go. Uh, I completely agree. I, I We've had the problem the last few years now where all of our goal scoring, or 90% of it, is coming from those three individuals. Yes. And it's going to be exacerbated by having one of the top ten uh, offensive defensemen in the league behind them. Because, yes, we've seen any number of times Marchand and or Pasternak carry the puck from one end of the ice to the other and make the theoretical opposition look look absolutely terrible. DeBrusque has, has managed it a handful of times and certainly a shorter career. Um, probably beyond Krejci's capabilities at this point, even though he is a high-level passer. He's probably one of the or I'm not willing to listen to discussions of him outside the top five to seven passers in the league okay. right now. If you don't if you don't want to put him in the top three, I, I suppose I can listen. But if you're going to tell me that you think that there are seven or more better pure passers than David Krejci, um no. So you brought it up, so it begs the question. That begs that the question has to be asked. As uh, that the top line of the Bruins, Marsha and Bergeron, Pasternak, since you say they should not be together, and I agree, which person do you take off the line? I think it it, it almost certainly has to be Pasternak. So you're still willing to keep Ber- Bergeron and Marshawn together? Yes. I mean, I mean the chemistry I, that they. The chemistry they have is ridiculous. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just – I wanted to know if you would actually split up Bergeron, Marchand, put Marchand on a different line because then you've got two top-tier 200-foot players, one on each line instead of having both of them on the same line. Assuming that Krejci, Bergeron, and Coyle are all healthy together – I don't see any reason to take uh, to split the line down to um, just uh, to, or to split the line any other way. Mm-hmm. If one of the three centers goes down, we'll we'll say we'll assume that Bergeron is out for an extended period. He's going to be out two or three weeks. You could put you could theoretically put Charlie Coyle back between. Um, Pasternak and and Marchand. You could put Marchand with Coyle and you could go Bjork, assuming Nick Ritchie is actually in the NHL next year. <laughs> Not necessarily something to assume. Um, you could put him there. You could Why put you Craig assume? Smith. Craig Smith with Marchand and Coyle might be a very, very interesting, well, that was gonna- somewhat feisty line that, that would be the follow-up is if you're pulling Pasternak off the top line who are you replacing him with uh i mean at are you, this point are you bumping up kasha uh, or smith just based purely on salary which i know is a dangerous assumption um because unless you're sliding one of the youngsters into the 3c slot 
and moving uh, Coil to right wing, which I'm okay with. I think he's better for the Bruins at center. I think he should stay at center. Um, But having someone who's actually larger than Patrice Bergeron in your top six has been a uh, has not happened very often uh, in the Bruins' uh, recent history. And stop me if you've heard this before, and I know you won't, but local boy from East Weymouth, Charlie Coyle, Wait, would East actually Weymouth? look... East Weymouth, I, I know. I, I hadn't heard it. Uh, That's news. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I will make a note of it. Okay, I'm writing it down. Uh, but I think that him, Bergeron, and Marchand could be an effective line, especially since Kashe is going to get injured at some point based on his recent history. And if you're going to give, uh, if you're going to bring up <clears throat> a Trent Frederick or uh, <clears throat> even a Pavel Shen, not likely. Not likely. Or, or Jack Stadnika to, to play. To play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the 3C spot with whichever wingers are unfortunately left um, is probably a great spot uh, for them. And given what we've seen of Frederick and Stadnika regular season, I'd be willing to benchmark them at 12 minutes plus a game and let their performance dictate the rest. Okay. Oh, and among the other endings is the, uh, the string of winter classics. I saw this this morning and apparently it was announced a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's it's a little depressing, even though the teams who are supposed to be in it this year are not exactly overwhelming. Um, but no Winter Classic in 2021. Uh, I was hoping that they'd be opening the season with that, uh, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, and... I guess I understand why, but if you like we had talked about in the past couple of shows, it, the issue of, of not having fans in the stands becomes uh, the biggest issue because the idea behind the Winter Classic is it is a celebration of hockey. I mean, you've got it's small rink. Big stadium, unless they have it here in Boston again at Fenway Park, in which case it's small rink, small stadium. But, I mean, they go to these college stadiums that seat 80, 100,000 people. You know, big house in Michigan, 115,000. Yep. And, yeah, the guys look like ants. People are there because it's hockey. It's tradition. They're watching their Red Wings play uh, uh, the arch-rival Blackhawks or the or the original six Toronto Maple Leafs or something. It, it, it's more about the hockey than it is about just going to see a game to see your team play. Oh, absolutely! It's a spectacle. It's like it's like a parade. 
in a lot and, of ways, it's more of a festival than a than a game. Yeah, and not having fans in the stands, it wouldn't be the same having it in in some sort of majestic venue, like with a backdrop of of Mount Rushmore or something. It, yeah, it's pretty, but it's not the same thing. So I understand why they're doing it, but it is a little it is a little heart wrenching. Um, we mentioned uh, the retirement. Yes, a couple of different players have retired, um, but Doc Emmerich uh, announced his retirement as well. Um, I have and, so somewhat mixed feelings on this one. Not going to say an institution. I was going to say not going to say you're his biggest fan, but uh, no. He has. But there moments. are a lot of broadcasters who are a lot worse. There are a lot of broadcasters who are a lot worse. He has influenced a number of broadcasters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the guy's been around and doing this job so long. You can't listen to. There aren't many games that you can listen to that uh, classic games that. He hasn't called at least one of them. I mean, he obviously calls all the Winter Classics. He works at NBC. I mean, some of my favorite games were actually the Red Wings versus Colorado games. And if it wasn't Gary, uh, I can't even remember his last name, and Bill Clement, those two guys were fabulous together. But they both talk about Doc Emmerich. And, and and Bill Clement still does Flyers games. Uh, he's touched a lot of people in this industry. Like him, don't like him. Not a big fan of his calls. I mean, you can go online and you can pull up a, a list of all his dramatic calls and games and some of the phrases that he's coined. I mean, whether I'm his biggest fan or not, I still want to say thank you for what he's done for the game. Oh, yeah, he's undoubtedly helped make hockey more accessible to casual fans and non-fans being introduced to the game. Um, I think that some of his style is a little wearing for more experienced fans. Um, But you know what? There's there's probably a very noticeable percentage of NHL fans who – listen to him call their first three or four hockey uh, NHL games and watch because of him. I mean, the article that I pulled up from ESPN, it talks about uh, his influence on the next generation of voices. And you've got Brendan Burke who calls the Islanders games. He says he's been the voice of my, of hockey my entire life. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see broadcasters where that's the same story. You're going to hear more and more of that coming into the game. And then it says Everett Fitzhugh. We talked about him a month and a half ago or before the playoffs. Before the started. playoffs, so back in July. Yeah. Everett Fitzhugh is one of those broadcasters. New play-by-play voice of the Seattle Kraken. Grew up in Michigan listening to Canadian voices like Jim Hewson, Bob Cole, Harry Neal wasn't until he got to college that he appreciated Emmerich while watching him on Versus. Do you remember the Versus Network before it became NBCSN? Yes, I do. There you go. I mean, but guys like him are are talking about him. And and 
Kings broadcaster Alex Puffs mentioned being inspired by Emmerich's diligence and demeanor as an NHL announcer. I, there isn't – I can't find really anybody that's somehow connected to broadcasting hockey that doesn't have some kind of memory of, of relating to Doc Emmerich or, or how they were influenced by him. So, oh, yeah, no, I mean I, he's been – I say thank you and good luck in whatever else he's going to do. I mean – I don't know where you go from here. You no, go home he's and been, sit on the porch. He's been the voice of hockey for what, 30, 40 years? 40, uh, almost 50 years he's been yeah. involved. Um, so among the uh, things to occur in the last 24, 48 hours uh, that we should probably talk about uh, is a Buffalo signing. Uh, they have <laughs> re-upped with Sam, Sam Reinhardt. And this is a deal that Chris was over the moon for before we started recording. Um, I'm going to call 911. Wait until he stakes out his new position just for the show. Go ahead, Chris. I'm going to call 911. I feel bad for Buffalo. Uh, Whether it was Sam or – and I don't know who his agent is, but whether it was Sam or his agent, one of the two or both of them collectively need to be arrested for this highway robbery. Sam Reinhardt uh, has inked a deal with the Buffalo Sabres for one year for $5.2 million. Okay. That's a crime. According to... Me. Anybody who watches hockey. <laughs> Kevin Adams. I think Kevin Adams got the wool pulled over his eyes on this one. The man has... One really good season. I, I'm just I'm at a loss to figure out where he's due five point two million dollars. I mean, if you want to give him three and a half, okay, I can swallow that. You start edging toward four. I'm cringing a little, but I'm still at five point two million dollars for one year for Sam Reinhart. Just doesn't make sense to me. I. I'm a little bit shocked by this. I mean, you were so in on this one before we started recording. Where do you get this? <laughs> Where do you get this information? This is Hey, I was listening to you. I don't know if you were listening to you, but I, I was definitely listening to you. He's played 400 games for the Sabres. He has 255 points. Not bad. He's 24 years old, but I just don't see 5.2 mil. I don't <clears throat> see it, and I, I think that they overspent here. Okay, how much did they overspend? Like I said, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of four would have been, I, mean, I think four, eh, yeah, maybe four. No, I can't go higher than four. Okay, let's take a look at some of uh, some of Cap Friendly's uh, Cap comparables. Um, one of them, probably the most viable for for our purposes, uh, Jared McCann, Pittsburgh Penguins. He's played 310 games and has 123 points. Um, so that's <clears throat> noticeably under. 
under 50% or under half a point a game. <clears throat> Sam Reinhart, 400 games, 255 points. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, based on those numbers, I'm not sure you're, uh, you're in the right place. If you go look at Jake Rattanen. I like Jake Rattanen. 279 games played. Yeah, that's Only 95 points. Okay. And he's at, at 2.55. So in a points per game, yeah, he's a little high, but he's also only got a one-year deal. So it's not me that was all excited about the Sam Reinhardt signing. It's you. Okay. Nope, now I, I get where you're going with this. I'm not. Ex- I'm not particularly excited. I was curious why he was trending on Twitter uh, when I signed in this morning. Because he got a ridiculous contract, and ridiculous. he better be. He better be behind the bank chuckling away. Ridiculous. Please, I think you wrote like 15 tweets on it, and that's a normal two month output for you. I didn't write any tweets on it because I'm not going to give this. Also a normal two-month output for you. I'm not going to give this crime more attention than it deserves. I've already given it enough here. Uh-huh. I just don't yeah. see I, I don't see it. I mean, and by the way, what is this going to do to the Bruins while they're trying to sign Jake DeBrusque? Well, if uh, as one Twitter wit and amazingly not me. Um, put it, uh, Donnie do nothing actually did something on a timely basis. Jake DeBrusque would already be re-signed. Yeah, the, 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 I can't argue that point, actually. <laughs> I can't. Tory Krug would probably still be a Boston Bruin. But, uh, Donnie do nothing is, well, he's signing Craig Smith. And the immortal Zach Senishin. You're just never going to let that one go, but okay. Why should I? I mean, he's one of the most amazing hockey players ever to lace him up. When he hangs up the skates, it may bring down the building. Like, the sheer weight of history attached to those skates may weight. sink the building the into the earth of history are you are you just having a little fun with some poetic license here <laughs> i have no idea what you're talking about you're a writer what are you talking about of course you know what i'm saying no i really really don't i mean i can look at zach senishin's uh stats you know i do have to wear like a welding helmet otherwise i would be blinded by them they are that incandescent um, and know that we are truly having a brush with greatness. So, okay. Based on, based on these, on this, on these numbers, Sam Reinhart is making 5.2 mil. He's a point he's 0.61 points per game over yep. his career. Yep. In half the number of games, fairly close, 203 for Jake, he has 120 points, which puts him at 0.59 points per game. Should should Don Sweeney give Jake DeBrusque $5.2 million? 
when you let other people set the market for you, you're stuck with it. That wasn't an answer. Do you and sign the, Jake well, DeBras to 5.2 million? Is it, would you have given him 5.2 million? Here's the question. Are you signing a one-year deal, a three-year deal, a five-year deal? Because that's going to impact it. If on a one-year deal, yeah, that's probably pretty close. You might get away with 4.8 or 4.7 uh, with a 250k signing bonus, just in case the um, season never happens. Um, but you know what? Um, Reinhardt was an RFA. He was signed to a one-year deal. The last contract was 3.6. Um, uh, Average annual. Okay. This isn't a huge raise, particularly with no security. Now for Jake DeBrusque, my he, my preference is to sign him three plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you can keep it under five, go for it. But what's your average already, annual for him? If you, it depends on the length of the contract. Okay, his last contract was five years long. He made less than a million dollars per season. In fact, the total value of the last contract for Jake was $4.4 million. You're going to turn around and give him market an rate. average of $5 million or slightly under per year. That's a huge raise. It, now, it doesn't before, matter how big of a raise it is. It's market rate. But before Sam Reinhart signed this $5.2 million debacle, would that, you have that given— That time doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer you, accessible. The would deal you have is signed. Given, the market is set. Okay. You had to go into this offseason, or you had to go start last season, the 1920 season, expecting, expecting a guy who outperformed— Tyler Sagan in his first 213 games to make at least four million on this contract, probably four and a half minimum, whether it was one year or six years, you had to expect it. So quibbling over, you know, three quarters of a million dollars uh, for a guy who has been, again, more productive than a number two overall pick who you've since traded. Um, uh, it's a little bit silly. And Don Sweeney chose not to sign this guy sooner. Well, he chose not to sign Tory Krug either. He chose to take uh, Matt Grizzlick into filing for arbitration. He chose to have uh, Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo in the same offseason <laughs> uh, run their negotiations all the way into training camp. He's and then signing to short-term deals. Don Sweeney's on point with his timing. He is a wizard. Yeah, he's a wizard or something. Since we're talking about Don Don. Yeah. You were talking about talking before the show about how come he hasn't been replaced by John Jacob or, you know, someone else. Um, I asked why I asked why we haven't signed John Chaka. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that either 
Cam Neely or Charlie Jacobs lack the imagination. Um, well, you had made mention that if, if Sweeney were to go, then Cam would have to go as well. Um, at this point, I think that there's there's probably more reluctance on the part of on the part of Neely to part with him. Um, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent saying that he would have to go because let's face it. The last general manager who was here, um, was admittedly in place before Neely arrived, um, did bring a Stanley cop. Um, and this is the only general manager that Sweeney has, uh, that Neely has hired. So assuming you can get him to part with Sweeney, maybe you can keep maybe you can keep him. Okay. Uh, but it really depends on who you're hiring uh, to be the general manager. Some of them don't are not going to want anything less than full hockey ops control, which means being president and GM or VP of hockey operations and general manager, or however the title is going to work. Well, if that name doesn't start with John and end with Cheka, I'm not sure I want to be sold on it anyway. So, <laughs> uh, how about Brian Burke? Oh, I like Brian. Come on, he'd be interesting to see how he interacts with Cam Neely, though. Oh, it would be fascinating to see how he that would be Cassidy interacted. That, that interact those interactions would be fun to watch. Absolutely. <laughs> It's almost too bad that uh, a certain um, uh, a certain gentleman uh, from the Globe with three initials uh, isn't actively covering the teams anymore because those press conferences would be gold. Oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, I yeah, there, it's it's a very short list of names that I'd be willing to. I mean. Getting rid of Sweeney to bring in, uh, I don't know, Mark Bergeron. No. <laughs> who has had? Who has been better in the past two years than than Sweeney has? Jason Botterill. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the 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 it's it's funny how the names rotate in the GM position as, well as the head coaching positions. I, Only I just, much slower. Yes. I just Don Sweeney to me, and this is a personal opinion. I know I've expressed it. He hasn't, and I said at the beginning of the show, there hasn't been that urgency. There hasn't been that that big move. I'm not saying you have to have a splash because a splash for splash's sake clearly can backfire. Um, Nash. Otherwise known as thank you, Rick Nash. But this is a team that's expected to contend year after year i mean by comparison look at what the rangers did in the last offseason the rangers went out and they went out and grabbed the most some of the most important pieces on the market and said goodbye to a new this york ranger legend this offseason yeah this offseason they had the uh intestinal fortitude to say goodbye to arguably the best goaltender in their history, certainly the most regular season consistency. 
Mike Richter might have an argument there, but okay. Mike Richter had much better teams in front of him. And this is very true. <laughs> that I will not argue. And that a couple of better true. coaches. Uh, well, didn't he play under like Mike Keenan and yeah. Versus playing under the guy who's currently in Philly. <laughs> currently coaching Philly? <laughs> uh, I said he's in Philly. Oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Yeah, the Rangers, what they've done, and and, say, and first of all, saying goodbye to, I mean, yes, they had a three-headed monster in net. And, oh, by the way, at the draft, they still drafted another goaltender. But they knew that he wasn't going to, he wasn't in their future plans. It was going to be Georgiev. It was going to be Shesterkin. And they bought him out. It's not the most fun thing to do to buy out anybody, let alone a, a legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a guy whose who's jersey is going to be in the Raptors when he retires. It's not a question of if, it's when. Yeah, and... and at some point this year, there will clearly be tribute videos, and when they when they play the Capitals. But the moves that they made after the moves that they made after that, and the 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 kids that they picked up in the draft, they've gone a long way toward turning the dreary days around. It depends on their development, obviously. But they go and they get they get Lafreniere at the top of the draft. Uh, they get Braden Schneider, strong defenseman. They've just they've done what they needed to do, and I'm trying I'm trying to find the list of signings that they made as well on top of all the draft picks. Oh, uh, signings! The signings in the last two years are actually that's something you can really really judge at this point. Um, for Jeff Gordon, um, by the way, former assistant general manager, uh, and interim general manager in Boston back in 2006, but signings, uh, recent signings for the, for the, uh, Rangers, um, not going to go through all of them, but, uh, Alexander Georgiev, he was re-signed on the 15th uh, of this month, uh, Alex, Alexis Lafreniere, their first round pick. Uh, they signed Jack Johnson, uh, Keith Kincaid, who will be uh, almost certainly a third string goaltender. Um, uh, going back a little bit With further, the they did sign Tyler Wall to his entry level goaltender. Really solid kid. Um, K. Andre Miller, another first round pick. We know how uh, much you like him. I actually like him too. Um, they signed Chris Kreider. Jury's still out. Um, <laughs> uh, Pavel Bujnevich, uh back uh, July of uh, 19. Uh, Jacob Truba, July of 19. Um, Capo Caco signed last July of 19. Another first round pick. Some guy named Artemi Panarin. Um, the pick of the free agent crop. Um, that was last July. I mean, just in two years. Wait, wait, wait. They still have some kid named Adam Fox on defense. Uh, but in two years, 
They cleaned out Boston's defense. (laughs) In two years, which of these two general managers has done more, Jeff Gordon or Don Sweeney? Um, More impact players acquired uh, by signing or by trading? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with um, trust the Gordon's fisherman. I'm going to have to go and, with Jeff Gordon. Oh, and by the way, he's also he also signed a kid that and clearly he hasn't played any played much in the NHL, but kid that I wanted the Bruins to draft a few years ago, Julian Gauthier, now a New York Ranger. <laughs> but every year, every major event in the hockey or major landmark in the hockey season, free agency day, the draft, um, the lead up to um, – the trade deadline, we hear that the Bruins were always involved in a lot of talks. They had and they come up ex- empty-handed or was something that's better used as fertilizer than on the second or third line. They had almost exclusive rights to deal with Oliver Ekman Larson. The only yeah. other team you had to worry about was Vancouver. Yes. Not 29 other teams, not 30 other teams, not 15 other One other team is all you had to deal with. And you still didn't bring him in. Knowing that you weren't going to re-sign Tory Krug at that point. Knowing that you had one legitimate NHL quality left defenseman in your uh, – uh, who, who you could sign. Ridiculous. For this – off-season alone, Don Sweeney needs to, at minimum, be on the hot seat. Yeah, I, I'm. I completely agree. I have. I'm not gonna parse. I'm not gonna try and parse your words. It, it, that, that's where he should be. It, it should be quite warm because the. Like I said, this is a team that. And, we're Here's the minimum bar for success for this team based on spending and based on the core. They need to get no lower than the second pick uh, than the second place uh, in the in the division. Nothing lower. They need to make it. If they are if they do if they go out before the second round. So first round pretend offs if we end up stuck with those again, um, he needs to be gone. Period. Yeah. The yeah. only, literally, the only excuse for it uh, is six or seven players missing thirty plus games, and, and even then. I'd kind of want to use the excuse as an owner to move on. But then they, even when you look at free agent, the free agency period, we haven't even discussed what he did in the draft or didn't do in the draft. He went way off the board for legitimately a guy who wasn't ranked in several of the independent scouting services. (laughs) Wasn't ranked 200 plus players ranked in these services and, and their first name, pick 
his kid's right. name didn't appear anywhere? Nowhere. Wow. Or if it was, it was honorable mention. I was going to say, he was an honorable mention on one of them. That he I got a participation seeing. trophy from several independent scouting organizations. Wait, wait, don't we give those out to everybody? Yes. Okay, just checking. Just checking. Uh, the New York Rangers did sign, did sign Jacques Martin uh, as assistant coach back in back at the end of August, which I neglected to mention. So I'm wondering if Dan Quinn needs to look over his shoulder a little bit. But uh, I, yeah, I Don Sweeney. He was. No, he was Ray Bork's no. defense pair, but as far as uh, GM, he was a he was a he was actually an underrated defenseman. As much as people liked him here in Boston, he was legitimately underrated for ten plus years of his career. Agreed. Why? Because top players in the league would come up the ice, see Ray Bork, and immediately move towards the other side of the ice, and Don Sweeney. On a very on a regular basis, did a high end job of defending those guys with or without Ray Bork immediately stepping in to help. Well, that being said, if I were coming up the ice and I saw Don Sweeney and Ray Bork, I'd probably choose to head toward Don Sweeney too. Absolutely. As a GM, though, not not so much. You have the opportunity to get OEL. No. Opportunity to resign Tory Crew? No. And then said, honestly said that you weren't going to sign, most likely weren't going to go after Petrangelo because he didn't play the left side. Okay. I I can sort of, kind of, almost, if I squint, understand that one. You better be squinting really hard. Given the reasonable, given the fact that guys like Devin Tays were traded this offseason, Devin Tays slide that one on in to the left side, whether you you have to pick him up uh, in a trade or a three-way trade. But that brings up other, that brings up other issues that Don Sweeney missed out on. Nate Schmidt was traded for a third round pick. Legitimately, in 2022, in, I think. In conference, he was traded for a third-round pick. You're telling me the Bruins couldn't find a second-round pick to match that? Or maybe two third-round picks? Or, or wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe Zach Senishin for, for <laughs> Nate Schmidt straight up. I, I knew that I mean, was hey, coming. He was drafted I in the first round. He was drafted in the first round. He's got to be valuable. Otherwise, they wouldn't have re-signed him. No, they did give him that one-year two-way deal, yeah, $700,000. I'm assuming that two-way deal is between, you know, the ECHL and the Southern Professional Hockey League? Oh, no, it's between the Bruins and the and the Bruins. You're sure? I'm pretty sure. Ugh, terrible. All right. Uh, we've beaten on Don Sweeney enough, and I'm sure we'll do Have more we? so in the future. No, Have that's really? why I said no, but I'm trying to be nice. I don't Why? Know it's working, what, I'm what has he done to earn it? I agree. 
You already know I agree because I've been saying it all along that the, I, I don't know what his game plan is. I'm wondering if he knows what his game plan is. So I understand that there's. I understand that there is a cap, and that you can't go over that cap. I get it. But what's that got to do with bringing back one of the top offensive defensemen, top defensemen in the NHL? Mm-hmm. What's that got to do with trading for when you have almost exclusive trading uh, rights, for lack of a better word? Yep. To bring in another one, if you're not going to resign the first one. Uh, what cachet do you have to say you're not going to go after a Norris, tro- a Norris caliber defenseman because he doesn't play on the left side? I don't know how many people let that slide that, that are listening or that read the newspapers or read the websites or whatever. But that really bothered me. You weren't going to go paper? after Alex Petrangelo because he plays on the right side. What's the newspaper? Really? God, I'm old. <sighs> well, <clears throat> from the uh, from the amazing contributions to the legacy of one of the original six franchises, mm-hmm. uh, we can now make the jump to something equally important uh, to the quality of play and fan enjoyment. Oh, please do. New throwback jerseys. Uh, I said it's retro alternate jerseys. I believe they're calling them reverse retro jerseys. Retro. (laughs) I have apparently been leaked uh, to eBay Um, and. Uh huh. Disclaimer. (laughs) They're horrible. I'm not a huge uniform lover or clothing lover in general. Those of you who have met me know that I dress pretty plainly because I just don't care. I just don't. But the first jersey I see when I open up the aesthetics tweet is a <clears throat> retro throw or retro or reverse retro Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. And, of course, nothing says reverse retro like a player who's still on the team um, uh, as the jersey number. But they have somehow picked, whoever designed these jerseys, the worst possible combination of font, spacing, coloring, (laughs) positioning, and words or word to decorate from... Uh, shoulder to waist diagonally this jersey. They have Uh spelled out the word Pittsburgh because why would you pick anything shorter? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you want to be able to read it. And then they have squished the letters together to the point just about touching. I told you this before the show. The argument is going to be that the Rangers pulled this off by spelling out the word either New York or Rangers or whatever they put on their jersey. Yes, a third less letters either way. <laughs> but Figured I'd throw that softball. Legitimately off. looks like you don't. If you were stitching this by hand, you wouldn't even have to cut, tie off, 
and then move to the next letter, you could literally just move from the P to the I through the two T's and onward. Mm-hmm. Which is garbage. This jersey is garbage. Yes. If the if the Penguins are going to go through a go to a reverse retro jersey, what should they go with? Oh, I already said this pre-show. They need to go back to the the powder blues, baby. They're only legitimate uniforms, by the way. Um, next to it uh, is quite fittingly their cross state rival. And guess what? There's not a much. I was going to say, there's not much you can do with a Flyers jersey, but yes, theirs looks decent. I like it. It's there's simple. There's not much you can do wrong with a Flyers jersey is the key point. True. Well, you could spell out Philadelphia. That that would definitely <laughs> be wrong. It's almost as long as Pittsburgh. might even be longer. I haven't counted the letters. And I don't want to. Exactly. But, How about we do that with every NHL jersey? Just have them all have... Boston and New York and Detroit and no. Minnesota. Minnesota might be a good one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, wait a minute. For the Canadian jerseys, will they have to spell them out in both English and French? Because Le Habitants de Montreal uh, might get a little crowded. Now, that would be a jersey to see. It would look like a crossword puzzle. Exactly. Possibly a word search. It, it's more of a word search. Yeah, you sit there with the, you know pencils circling the letters and. <laughs> um, Can we go anywhere from this story? I mean, you have this well, thing about don't the forget, don't forget that there's also the um, uh, also some concepts for a Montreal and Oilers and a uh, Wings jersey. Oh, I did not see those. I'm going to have to look for those. Did you see the Bruins one? I have not seen the Bruins one because I am definitely afraid it will be the Winnie the Pooh jersey or worse. They're going to bring back Winnie. (laughs) Maybe. It would be Um, interesting if they did. I mean, is there a worse Bruins jersey than that one? Not that I can think of. Okay. I mean, admittedly, I'm a guy who also loved simply for its ability to stand out the old school uh, peyote coyote. Uh, oh, I love the I love the peyote coyote. Are you kidding me? And uh, you know, we might see a return of the buffalo slug, which uh, mm, yeah or could bring back the they might bring back the goathead, the red and black the red and black jerseys with the goathead. Uh, Seattle doesn't have a throwback to go with, but maybe, maybe that would be interesting. (laughs) Although they could theoretically throw back to something like the, what was it? Seattle millionaires. Carolina throws back to the Hartford whalers. Um, the devils could go back to being the Rockies or the scouts for a couple of weeks or better still. They could bring back those Christmas tree jerseys they had like 10, 12 years ago. Yes. With the red and green, actually probably 15 years ago. Adidas is having some fun with this, I'm guessing. Oh, uh, somebody is having fun with it. Um, <laughs> uh, what other fun they're having, and by having, I mean imbibing, um, yeah. is is anyone's question. Street pharmaceuticals are involved. 
I, no. I just no. don't know. Not entirely certain I want to. The question is, where do you go from this story? I mean, like I said, you've got something up here that I did something about imagining an all Canadian division. Oh, that one. Yes. The all Canadian uh, division story is actually pretty interesting. Um, this is built around the premise that the border closing will, uh, the border closing that's, uh, currently in place will keep running for a while. Um, and I, I found this looking, uh, at, oh, there it is the leader post, um, Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, a Winnipeg-based article. The Regina leader? Ted Wyman wrote it. Um, He talks about the Jets, you know, playing in the Central, which has been one of the tougher divisions, certainly the tougher division in the Western Conference um, since, well, the Pacific Division, the less said the better. Um, And how it might shake out. Uh, He talks about what we were talking about even before last season, how Montreal was better than a lot of people were giving them credit for. Um, definitely take uh, five, 10 minutes uh, and go read this article folks. Um, it's Ted Wyman's. It was published on the 19th uh, and the title is imagining an all Canadian division and how the Winnipeg jets would fare. Um, I really, really like this article. Well, my question is, does it guarantee that they would have a Canadian team in the playoffs? Hey, there were with the expansion in into the pretend offs, uh, there were seven out of the eight Canadian teams uh, in the playoffs last year. But we had to expand from 16 to 24. <clears throat> yes. So now, they, theoretically, had add, they had to add eight teams to get seven Canadian teams in. Yes. OK. Now, theoretically, if you were still doing four divisions. This means that there would be at minimum three Canadian teams uh, in the NHL playoffs going back to the sensible 16. That being said, Winnipeg and Vancouver, I mean, I'm still not sold on Edmonton. You got Calgary. I mean, they are improving again, but there was a time period where Canadian teams were either bowing out in the first round or there was only one Canadian team in the playoffs. Yep. So, I mean, I, I say it jokingly, but they are improving. Calgary clearly is is a playoff team, whether it's first round or not. Winnipeg can go has the ability to go slightly deeper. I think Vancouver has the ability to go very deep if they continue on the track they're on. And they had an impressive run last year. If they can bring that into next season, and they're uh, young, with the experience and youth, yep, um, they're dangerous. Very. They're truly dangerous. Oh, there's another guy the Bruins could have got. Troy Stetcher. Sorry, didn't mean to di- didn't mean to digress. Yes, you did. Of but it's okay. Did. Troy Stetcher going to Detroit. He was relatively inexpensive pickup for Detroit too. I mean, this is it. it don't get me started. No. <laughs> it would be. I th- I'm kind of intrigued by this. I mean. I mean, I mean, for the hand, the hand is forced. Clearly, if the border remains closed, they're going to have to do something like this. Yeah. And I think the I think even more interesting is the rest of the teams left. 
in the Western, particularly in the Western Conference, um, because you'd have guys competing from Vancouver to, well, not Vancouver, but um, you'd have the three California teams, Dallas, Nashville, um, scrambling. Colorado. Actually, the way the way it worked, the way it would shake out with the Canadian teams all in one division and three of them in the East and four of them in the West, um, you'd have to rewrite all four divisions. You, what it would come down to is instead of North, South, East, West, you'd have to have East, Central, West, and then Canadian. Yeah. You could conceivably call it a North, I suppose, but. I mean, you could call the Canadian, the North division, uh, I guess. And then, yeah. And then East, Central, West, if you want to have four four divisions. I mean, we've got Atlantic Pacific now, but I, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's, there's talk of St. Louis not being in the current division that they're in. I, I, it, I don't envy... Batman's job at this point in time. I know that a lot of people like to dislike him, but and for and there are some reasons to do so. But in stuff like this, I don't envy him because I don't want to sit down and try and figure it all out. It gives me a bit of a headache. <laughs> I mean, realistically, the new Northeast Division would probably end up being unless you're trying to unless you're trying to make time zones work which just isn't going to I, I I mean the Bruins the three New York teams New Jersey Pittsburgh as a division maybe throw in Philly and then um, let's see Detroit Chicago St. Louis um, Nashville Carolina Washington and the two Florida teams and then everybody else. So Dallas, California teams, coyotes, abs, Knights, um, and wild. Yeah. They, oh, wow. Okay. See the headaches already starting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not easy. And like the travel for that U.S. Southwest division, uh, going from, I mean, most of the t- they do it anyways in any given season. Dallas to uh, Dallas to San Jose and uh, Minnesota to San Jose, but not quite as simple as the as the as the northeast circuit where you could literally ride a bus faster than uh they could fly from Dallas to San Jose or San Jose to Minnesota. Yes. Okay, I have to ask this question. In no, light of, in, in light of having in yes, I do choose to. In light of having this all Canadian division uh have uh, based on what they did in the offseason draft and free agency, 
Have the Montreal Canadiens leapfrogged a couple of teams? Are they the fourth best team in Canada? They weren't last season. I don't think so. You can make an argument that they're the third best team in Canada. Are they better than Calgary? Because right now I would say top two are probably like Vancouver and Toronto. Toronto, and I don't want to put them there, but yeah, Toronto. You you have to based purely on their offensive talent, although they have picked up some reasonable defense. Um, whether their goaltending is going to stand up to uh, to the torture rack uh, is anybody's question. And after, did they not bring in T.J. Brody? They did. They did. Uh, they have Muzzin, Riley, Brody, Hole, uh, Bogosian, uh, Miko yeah, so. Lettinen, Rasmus Sandin, and Travis Dermott as their defense at the present. Kind of nervous that Miko Lettinen is on a COVID loan to. Somebody's actually paying attention to defense in Toronto. It ner- makes me nervous. Because now they might actually be better than Boston, actually. Well, that's. As much because Boston, well, retreated from its heights. The apathy, the apathetic behavior that is done. Okay, we got to stop. So yes, have 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 the Canadians leapfrogged? I mean, Winnipeg. Yes, they've leapfrogged Edmonton. I thought they were better than Edmonton anyway. But have they leapfrogged Calgary? <sighs> Let me. I don't know. I really, really don't know. As we discussed, Calgary just lost TJ Brody. Yep. Montreal, on the other hand, has brought in Josh Anderson, brought in Tyler Toffoli. Uh, They did bring in a a useful backup in Jake Allen. Um, So they don't have to rely on Charlie. They brought in, as you mentioned, Josh Anderson. Uh, They retained Jeff Petrie. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, playoff, like playoff hero for them this past uh, pretend offs, as you like to say, scored game winners in overtime. I mean, I I think they have. I think we have to start considering Montreal again as not just a, a, a team to beat just for two points. I think now you're playing them for position. For position, yeah. And by the way, they have Claude Julian behind the bench. Who, realistically, <laughs> worst thing you can say about him, uh, if you're being in any way objective, is he's the best coach in the division. Yep. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, that we have run through the end of uh, anything interesting to talk about this week. Um, having having talked about the interesting stuff, we have again done more than Don Sweeney. Um, <laughs> or at least exactly as much. I mean, we were involved. Right down to the wire. No apathy here. Ladies and gentlemen, uh as always, send us your questions, comments, concerns. You can tweet at myself or Chris. You can email us at those two at twomanforcheck.com. Um, 
love to hear from you for uh, future mailbags. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Chris? Yeah. Anything? Oh. Uh, not off the top of my head. Thanks for listening. Take care, all.